Good morning, everybody. Today we'll be Ezra Tashem be learning Daflam and Dalid in Maseches Psachim. Little extra skip in my step because A, I got Chizuk from Kalman. He uh, told me how much he enjoys. So, hey, Kalman, shout out to him. Also, my daughter in law in labor in the hospital, Be'ezrat Hashem, Meshat with our first grandchild. So, a lot of good things going on. And, Kalman, you're in luck. We're going to be discussing some truma. We're seven lines up from the bottom on Lam Gimel and the Bez. And we were talking yesterday, you might recall, whether you can use certain types of truma to match or Tahora as firewood. So let's start from Gufa, which is seven lines up over there, and it says, Madlikin Kohanim can light a fire with the what? The shemen and the truma uh, and, and the bread of truma that became tummy. Now, now we, we had discussed this yesterday, that those, that was the statement we made yesterday. That was in contrast to berries, right? Because the pots and the shemen, you could light it because you're going to put it away in different places. It's not going to be this concern, which we're always concerned about if we allow the Kohanim. Obviously, they can't eat truma tamea. And Israelim, we're going to see Machokas Rashi Tosfos soon, but Israelim, we assume, can't use truma at all, right? And that becomes a little bit of Machokas Rashi Tosfos. But the point is that with the Kohanim, even though they can use truma, they can't eat truma tamea, but they should be able to use it. It's not also brought not to them, but our concern is that they're going to eat it. That's really what's going on. So if it's berries, then we're not even going to let them use it for firewood because berries are irresistible and they're going to eat it. They're going to make that smoothie. But if it's pots and chairman, that gets pretty nasty. And therefore, we are going to let them light with that. Okay, so now, Abayi Amar Mishmei Dechizkiya, the Rav Amar Devei Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Marta Amar Ravuna, Lo Shanu El Pas Abel Chite Lo. So it took, you know, this whole collection of rabbis to tell you that this was true for bread. In other words, you could use bread as firewood, as it were, but you can't use the actual wheat kernels. So what's the difference between bread and wheat kernels? Says the Gemara, Shemi Yavabemli De Takala, that wheat kernels you might eat, and that stands to reason, Rashi explains, uh, bread gets gross in the fire, right? That becomes unedible. But wheat kernels in the fire, that just becomes delicious roasted wheat kernels. I know that's how you start every day, Andrew. So that is uh, the reason why you wouldn't be able to use the wheat kernels, because they are, in fact, still going to be edible, and therefore we are concerned, so we don't let a Cohen use that uh, Truma Tamea wheat kernels as fire, wood, as fuel, I should say, because not wood. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Afil Chiti. Now, Rabbi Yochanan is going to say that even the wheat kernels of Truma, can be used to light the fire, despite the fact that maybe they're delicious. But the Gemara asks, Why are you allowing this, Rabbi Yochanan? Aren't you concerned that they're going to eat it? So the Gemara answers, Kedama Ravashi, as we arrive at Lamadal and Ravalef, Bishlikasa Omi Sasa. Ah, we're talking about kernels that shalik, shlikis, they're um, put in, they're boiled. And so once you're boiled, it's me'isasa, me'us, it's disgusting. So basically, we're not talking about those delicious roasted wheat kernels that you're so fond of, Andrew. We are talking rather about the ones that get puffed up first and soaked. And those are disgusting, nobody would ever eat that, and therefore that's why we're not concerned. That's why Rabbi Yochanan said that that was okay. So here too, so here too, Rabbi Yochanan is referring to those kernels that were um, thus boiled and, and nasty. So in that context, we'll say what Ravashi was saying. Where did we learn this shot of Ravashi? that it was first boiled. So the, um, what we're saying here is that Ravashi, we didn't really, Ravashi didn't really say this in our specific case of the Truma Shunit Mace. He actually had a different case and we borrowed it from there as follows. Ahad Amar Rabbi Avin Barach Bravacha Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Abba Shaul Gabal Shalbeis Rabbi Haya. Abba Shaul was the person who needed the dough in the house of Rebbe. If Matt Bornstein's listening, the Rebbe needed the dough. That's a Moshe Burt reference. So he was the needer of the dough in the house of Rebbe. That was a big job because you have to make sure that the dough would become tahar. And again, you know, in those days, we talk about hashgacha and kashras or, or agencies and all that. So today we have certainly kashras considerations. But in those days, tumen tahara considerations were huge because the Kohanim couldn't eat tame, tame stuff. And whether something was truma or something was, if something was truma, certainly, they had to have a very intense shmira to make sure that it wasn't. As we're going to see, there's, there's um, a halacha, there's, and it's even in the psukim, that you have to have real shmira on truma. You can't just uh, have hesachadas. 
right? You can't just take your eyes off of it. If you, if you leave Truma unattended, then it's going to be like going to a restaurant without a Rashkacha. That's like you need a Mashkiach, a Tamidi, right, on this Truma. Oh. So that's why it was important that you need to have a Gabal, the need of the dough. And even though he was the Rav Machshir over there in the house of Rebbe, which is a very important position, they used to heat the water with fire fueled by wheat kernels of Truma that were tummy. So we see that they were allowed to use it there. Uh, however, even though, again, there's no Truma Tamea that they're using as, as flour, Chas V'Shalom over here. However, they are using it as fuel for firewood. So, Malush Mem Isa Betahara. So the, the dough, so the first kind of like minor issue here is that just because you're lighting with a fire that's fueled by Truma Tamea doesn't mean that that actually infuses the dough with it. It does not. In other words, Lalush Behem, they're doing this kneading, right? And the Isa, the dough is still considered to be tar, despite the firewood coming from Truma Tamea. That's true. You know, the question is, are, why aren't we concerned? Over there, they had chitin of truma chumea. Why are we concerned that people are, that, the, that they're going to eat it? So, am I? So, we say, nechushdil masabahilu dektakala, right? The Gemara asks, why are we not concerned about that? So, I'm Ravashi. So, it is in that context where Ravashi said, the suggestion, vishli kasa omi sasa, that it was actually first soaked, and it was therefore nasty, and then we don't have that concern. The machlokas rashitosus that I refer to is, appears here, and it's really a question whether Israel can do this or not. You know, Rashi says, Who's using this firewood? So it sounds like, certainly, who's taking it from Kohanim? It's Israel. They're taking advantage. In other words, this is more common than you thought, right? Truma Tamea, what's the Kohanim going to do with it? It's valueless to them. They can't do much with it. And therefore, they maybe would just sell it off back to the Israel at, at, at a cheap cost. Uh, however, Rashi, however, uh, Tosfos here says, Omer bin Tam, de Kohanim shall base Rebbe, are you oisin? So it's an idea that Israel, it's not clear that they'd be allowed to use this as firewood because even though it's Truma Tamea, the uh, respect, we'll call it, that Israel is supposed to have to Truma is that they're not allowed to burn it. In other words, just because you're allowed to get Hanah from it, the type of Hanah that you're allowed to get from it, says Tosfos, is not the kind of Hanah where you just burn it, and, it, and that's sort of like uh, disrespectful to the Truma, we'll call it. You can only, in these, and Tosfos over here, is the second Tosfos on Dalar Ramadal, is quoting sources that saying that it's only the other kind of Hanah, like the kind of Hanah I'm having on this chair, where it's not clear, in other words, just because I'm using the chair doesn't mean I'm destroying it. It's the kind of, that's the kind of Hanah that Israel would have. So, interestingly enough, this is what Berman calls a fundamental Tosfos. Are we talking about Israeli Makohanim here in the, in the house of Rebbe? But be that as it may, the actual cardinals we're not concerned about because they've been pre soaked, and therefore we're not concerned the Kohanim, uh, were they to be there, that they're going to eat it. Okay, so now we're going to have a discussion about Truma that was Tomei, Common, you're welcome, and in that discussion, we're going to get back to the squeezing of the grapes that are Tomei. We'll see if we get that far, but that was the discussion we had yesterday. We'll get back to uh, Rabbi Yochanan's previous statements about this grape squeezing. So let's resume. Abayim bar oven, Rabbi bar oven, Tanu, Trumos, Bey, Rabba. Right? They were studying Tanu, Trumos, Bey, Rabba. They were in Rabba's yeshiva, and they were studying like Masechas Trumos. Okay. Very interesting. So, Pagabu uh, Rava Barmasna. Rava Barmasna comes up to this Chavrusa. And Armalahu, Mayam Misa Betrumus to Beymar. He says, What are you guys learning? Any Chidushim? Rashi has a fascinating Lashon here. Chidush Vetaimah Betrumus, Shatem Shainim Beves Adam Gadol Karaba. He's like, Tell me something fresh and new and interesting. You're learning with Rabba. He's a giant Torah master. I'd love to hear some Trumus Hak. Okay. So, Armalahu, so they said to him, Mike, I should like, Can we help you? Do you have like a specific question? So, Amalahu, so he said to them the following. No, okay. Well, we learned in a mission. I do have a specific question. The mission in Truma says that, Shtilei Trumos, Shinitmu, Ushtalon, Taramel Tame. You might remember this from uh, Shabbos Daf Tetzain, Yudzain area. Uh, a fascinating concept. As soon as I'll say it, you'll recall. That then they took plants. Okay, so again, you separate out Truma, right? For the Kohen. And the Truma becomes Tame. When you replant it, the growth that comes out is Tahar. Amazing halacha. Okay, uh, that's that's actually a Mishnah. So we we quote it in a different context in Shabbos. Now they're tahor in the sense that they don't generate tumah for other things. However, the asurim melechol, there is an issue to eat them, 
he might recall that the Isra to eat them might be because, uh, it seems that it is because, again, we don't want Israelim to separate our truma and then replant it. And sort of like, it's like kind of like truma laundering, right? You're replanting it and then all of a sudden it's edible again. So if we, if we allowed them to eat it, then the Kohanim would all lose out on their truma. This would become common practice. So we make an Isra on eating. But for now, Right, the question, it sounds like it's this fundamental me'ikar hadin issue with regards to the truma. So it says the Gemara, So I gave it away, but the Gemara asks, well, if they're not going to be matame, it seems to imply that there's no actual genuine tuma on these produce. So if the question is, if that's the case, why are we saying that it's us? If it's not really tame, why is it us to eat? So Amulay, so Abaye, and Rabbi said, no, I'm a Rabba. Ah, well, you came to the right place, Rabba Barmasna, because you asked, this Shaila and this Mishnah, let's tell, let, we'll tell you what the great giant, our Rebbe Rabbah, said regarding this. He said, My Asurin, Asurin Lazarim. Aha, when it says it's us to eat, it's referring to what? Non Kohanim. Non Kohanim can't eat it because it's still Truma. In other words, a very interesting idea in its own right, which is that even though you're going to take Truma Tamea and then you're going to plant it, even though it's going to lose its Tuma status, okay, it's not going to lose its Truma status. That is what Rabbah taught them. So that's an interesting idea, right? That the Truma status is not going to go away, it does not remove it. Okay, but the, the, it's no longer tame. Okay, so the Gemara, um, so the Gemara asks, "Umai kamash malan?" But according to this, is that really a chiddush? Because gidule truma truma, right? What you're basically saying is, if you're going to say that what we're learning here is that that which grows out of truma is truma, right? Because again, the the answer that that Abaye and Rav Hanina Barabin answered was that, again, it retains its truma status and loses its tumma status. So if what you're trying to teach me is that it retains its truma status, which is to say that whatever grows out of truma remains truma, that's what it means, gidulai truma truma. So Tanina, we already have a Mishnah in Trumas to teach us that. Right? This is, again, Rav Masna wanted to learn something new and novel. And they just told him this, that this was the shot as to why you, there's an iser to eat it, but there's no iser to, right, why it's, Right, it, it's not matame, but there's still an issue to eat it. So their pshat was that zarim are not allowed to eat it. And he says, well, that pshat we already know. I mean, what's the chiddush in your pshat? If you're saying that the chiddush is that that which grows from truma is truma, we already have a mission for that. Tanina, as we say, gidule truma truma. Okay, so that is the fairish in the mission. So you're not teaching me anything there. Chitema gidule gidule, and maybe you're telling me that, let's say you put a growth thing in the ground. Let's say you put in gidule um, gidule, right? You put in like a, like a pumpkin in the ground, and the seeds of the pumpkin took root. And then that grew, and the pumpkin was truma. If you're going to tell me that the chiddush is that the growth that comes out of a plant's new growth is also truma, well, what is that chiddush here? Are you saying is as follows? It's a physical reality within plants that some plants, for example, let's take the pumpkin. Pumpkin has seeds, right? The pumpkin seeds decompose. And that's when they start to sprout. Okay. The onion, in contrast, as Rashi points out, it doesn't itself decompose, right? It's like a bulb. You put in the bulb, yes, it has shoots that come out of the bulb, but the bulb itself remains intact. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, conceptually, you can understand, if the bulb itself remains intact, so then really, and it's, let's say, truma, so then really that status of truma has been retained throughout the entire plant. Exactly. You don't need to say that it's, that it's, that it's truma. Okay. However, if the seed uh, decomposes and, and it completely, so there will be a chiddush. So that's the difference. That's what it means, zarokala. So, in other words, bedavash ain't zarokala like an onion. Hanami tanina. That's also a mishnah because it's mishnah says in shumos. Hatevel gedulav mutarin. Bedavash is zarokala. That if you have tevel, right, something where you should have taken shumos but you didn't, and then you plant that in the ground. So can you, you know, when, this, when it sprouts, is that is that considered tevel anymore? So the answer is that no, it's mutter, but only bedavash is zarokala. Only if you have the kind of seed that decomposes. How about bedavash ain't zarokala? But in something like an onion, like you said, you don't need the tchias amesim in the right. The uh, onion bulb is still intact. Afilu gedule gedulein asurin ba'chila. So by them, even those offshoots are going to be asurin ba'chila, which is to say they're going to retain their status of tevel. 
Okay. So that, uh, that it's assumed, Rav Masna is assuming, that that Yidule Yidule, um, Mishnah by Tevel, applies not only to Tevel, but to Truma as well. And therefore, it would seem that we're not really learning anything from Rabbah. So what's this great Chiddush from the giant Rabbah? So at this point, Ishtaku, Abayin and Chadin were, they were silenced by this. They said, oh wow, that really wasn't the Chiddush at all, was it? So Amrulay, so they said to Rabbah Rav Masna, well, do you have a shot? Do you have a better shot? So Ramasa said yes. Ramasa answers. So this maybe was like a Rabbah Rav Sheshis Talmidim rivalry all along. Okay? He said, well, my yeshiva, I'm not saying it's a better yeshiva, but, you know, my yeshiva had an answer for this. My asurin, what is meant when it says that it's also to eat? Asurin like ohanim. It's not saying that it's also for a czar to eat, <coughs> for a non-coming to eat. What it's saying is that even though the plant is no longer tummy, it's also for the going to eat. Uh, wow, it's Truma. That's not Tomei. And it's also to eat. Why? There it is. The reason is because they, you took your mind off it. Why did they take their mind off it? Because again, once you have Truma to Meya, you're not going to have the same Mashkiach Tamidi on it, right? Because it's already, the worst case scenario has already taken place, right? In other words, the whole point of watching Truma is when it's Tahara, so it shouldn't become Tomei. Once it's Tomei, you kind of take your eye off the ball. So here you had Truma Tamea, and at that point already they disregarded it. They had what's called Hesach Hadas. So once they had the Hesach Hadas and they weren't paying attention to it, so then they were going to um, take their eye off it, and that's why we have this like standard Gezerah, you don't eat Truma that, you're not, that you have Hesach Hadas on. Truma that you're not paying attention to, you're not going to eat it anymore. So the Gemara, however, objects to this potential suggestion as follows. Okay, so there's a question. It's a very interesting sort of Chakira. The question is, when we made this uh, we'll call it a gazera, right? When we have this halacha, right, that you need to have hashgacha on truma, right? And that, so when you don't have hashgacha, when you have hesachadas, right, it means the mashiach isn't isn't in town. So, right, like you call up, you always know when you call up a restaurant and you want to find out um, if the hashgacha is good, right? So in some places in America, it's like very regulated. But like when you're trying to find out, even in Israel, it can be more complicated sometimes than in America because you have um, the badats, which would be great. But then sometimes you have like a hotel that's really kosher, like La Rome in Yerushalayim. They don't call it La Rome anymore, do they? They started calling it Inbalman 20 years ago. Okay, but when it's, when it's um, you know, that's considered a hotel with a very, very serious hashgacha. I mean, they're boiling uh, the uh, the screws of the ovens for Pesach and stuff like that. But, and they, and they touch it for Pesach for like three months. It's not like when you send like four teenagers to these hotels out here and they just blow torch everything in 20, in 20 minutes. So the, um, where am I getting with this? Oh, so <clears throat> so the question is, when you have this Hesach oh, so in Israel you have to ask, uh, is the Mashkiach there? And he's like, oh, uh, the Mashkiach's on vacation for like the next three weeks, but he'll be back and then he'll be happy to talk to you. So that's when you know that's not good. Right, because Rabbanut, what I'm saying is, it is Rabbanut Mahadrin, it's regular Rabbanut, it has a wide range. Okay, so, what, so, okay, so let's say those Hesachadas, the Mashkiach's on vacation. Okay, so the question is, what is the halacha? Is that considered Psul Haguf? Do we treat it like, okay, we don't know whether it's Tameh or not, but we're going to treat it as Tameh out of an abundance of caution? That's one possibility. That would, not, that would be called Psul Tumah. Or is it that we're treating it like it's Mamish Tameh, like this assumption of Psul Haguf? So that's the question. When there's no Mashkiach, is it Treif? Or is it just we don't know and we're being cautious? That's the, that's the two ways of looking at it. So the Gemara is saying, So if you hold that Hesachadas, right, that you're not paying attention, means that it's Mamish Tameh, so then shop here. Then it makes sense because the mission is teaching you that you're going to be prohibited from eating it. But if you say that it's really just, an, it's not necessarily Tameh, but we're treating it as Tameh because of an abundance of caution, so then, if, so then even if the plants, right, are going to become Tahor, then, then if it's, right, because we said even if we know that it's Tameh, it's going to become Tahar. So then if you only hold that this Hesachadas creates a doubt of the Tumah, certainly if you plant those, those doubtful plants, then certainly that offshoot is for sure going to be Tahar. And therefore, the Mishnah and the Halacha of you treating the offshoots as Tameh for the Kohanim only makes sense if you hold that it's a Psulaguf. 
why, why? The itmar, because we already said, with regards to this Hesachadas, Hesachadas, so now it's just citing this, the source of this Machlokas. It was actually Machlokas, whether this Hesachadas creates a real psal or whether it creates just a chashash of psal. So, what's the nafkamina? So says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan is saying that we're just treating it like Tumah out of an abundance of caution, as I like to call it. Right? The difference would be, let's say you have, this is another way of saying, let's say you had some verifiable evidence that this was did not become Tameh at all, right? Like you treated it with abundance of caution and the Mashiach went away, but sure enough, there was a camera, right? There was a surveillance camera and you watch the videotape from beginning to end and you see there was no Tumah. So if there was some way to verify that it never became Tameh, then in fact, you would not have to treat it as Tameh. You don't have to go out and be cautious where you know that it's Seyed Tahar. Another way of doing it besides the surveillance camera would be to ask Leo Novi when he comes. Those are two ways of verifying. But be that as it may, whichever way you manage to verify it, you can treat it as Tahar if you can in fact prove that it was. However, of course, right? if you say that this halacha that you treated as puzzle once there was Hesachadaz, because it's inherently puzzle, so then now even Leo can come and you can scream up and down that this was this never became Tameh. That's not the point. The point is that the halacha is that we treat it as Tameh regardless, inherently Tameh. Okay, so now nine lines up from the bottom. Rabbi Yochanan asks Reish Lakish the following: Eser Yochanan Shem Ben Lakish. Rabbi Shmuel Ben Oshav Yochanan Ben Breiker Aimer Lul Katan Hayab Ben Kevesh Lamizbeach. Okay, talking now about Karbanos. So when they used to bring Karbanos on the southwest corner, right of the Mizbeach, they used to have like a little right between the ramp um, over there, right on the side. They used to have like a little what my grandmother used to call kolbainik, like a little receptacle area, okay, where you could throw stuff in. What what did they? It was right on the western side of the of the ramp. What did they used to do there? So the Gemara Shama Yuzorkim Sulechatas Of. Right, because what it means is they used to have right little uh, carbonus oaf where they weren't sure whether they were a puzzle. Right, they became puzzle. We're going to see uh, the Gemara is going to explain. They, they had like a light psul, sort of like a semi psul, and they were unclear whether it was puzzle. Now, when something is unclear whether it's for sure puzzle, you have a conundrum because certainly it's puzzle. You can't bring it as a carbon, but it's also if it's not fully puzzle, so then you can't burn it either. Right, because you're not because maybe on the side that it's that's actually still kachim. You can't just um, burn it and get rid of it. So you, what you have to do then is put it into this receptacle in this lul, throw it into this little hole, and let it become puzzle for reals before the next day you burn it. As follows. What are you going to do? It, tubar tzurasan. Tubar tzurasan sounds like it would change its appearance, but really what it means, as Rashi explains, is that it's, you're going to wait for it to be nicer. lina, right? That's called nicer. They're left over. And once it's left overnight, then it's really for sure puzzle. Then you can burn it, right? As Rashi says, you're going you're gonna to burn it. Okay. So they had basically these semi-puzzle things and they was in abeyance and so that so then they, they put it on the side in order to burn it the next day. So now, if you're gonna say that it had that there's such a thing as a semi-puzzle state of suffolk, we're not really 100% sure whether it's puzzle, but if you're gonna say that this kind of toma that it, it contracts, and, and, and we're gonna see that it's most likely that a very similar thing where there was some sort of hesachadas and therefore we weren't sure what the das of the Baal was. And so if you're gonna say that that kind of psal is sort of like a psal that it, once it becomes verified, it can go one way or the other, but really it's just an abundance of caution. But all of that makes sense in the context of why you would actually throw it into this lul and wait. That's why you need to wait until you have actual psal. Right? Because there you have either the option, um, you're going to put it off to the side because it may not be entirely puzzle, and it could be that Eliyahu is going to come and say that, you know what, it was fine altogether, and therefore you certainly would not be allowed to burn it because if it's fine altogether and it's tahor, you're not allowed to wrongfully right, burn a perfectly valid carbon. But if you're gonna say that whenever you have these kinds of hesachadas issues, that you that it that it infuses that carbon with an inherent psul, so then Lamali Yibutsura, why are you throwing it to the side for tomorrow? Burn it right now. Uh-huh. 
That Tanya, because it was taught in Brisa, Zeh as we turn to Lamadalat of the Bays. At 6.05 a.m., wow. What did the Brisa say? Call Shipsula Begufo, any, any carbon, right, who has, which has inherent psul, Yisaref Miyat, has to be burned at once. Bedam, Uvivalim, right? In other words, the owner, right, is, is, right, is going to, Bedam Uvivalim, in the case, right, of that, of that, um, psul, right, in the blood or in their owner. In other words, we're going to see. You have to burn it at once if it has a puzzle begufo. Bedam Uvivalim, that's how you read it, sorry. So again, I think right around this, this Gemara is where I got the call that uh, my daughter-in-law is in labor. So I just got the story I did here. Okay, the Brisa says that if it has an inherent soul, it should be burned right away. However, if there's something wrong with the blood or the owner, what, what, really, what this really means is um, that this is the kind of soul that we had before with the Trimatumea, right? That when there's like something wrong with the intent, something wrong with the Hesachadahs of the owner, right? If there's something up with the owner, which is to say, if it doesn't have an inherent soul, that's what we're saying. If it has a soul of like circumstance, right? Where we don't really know 100% what the circumstance was. So then, to Uber to Russell. So then, that's when you leave it over, and then, it only goes out, and then, it goes out to the base of Sreifa later. But, it, but we see, right, that since the invalidation of the of that particular carbon is still in doubt, then we're not going to burn it right away until it has the what? The to Uber to Russell, until it has that change of status. So, Rabbi Yochanan is pointing out to Rishlakish that this seems to be befairish in the Barayasis. So what's Rishlakish going to say? So, Amalai, Rishlakish answers, Hai, Tana, Tana, Devei, Rabba, Barabu, Odama. That Tana, right, it was was also, right, was taught in the base manager, Rabbi Arahuna, but Rabbi Arahuna said something else. Rabbi Arahuna said, Afilu Pigol ta'on Ibert Surah. Wow. So, see, what he's saying is, Pigol, which we know, that's an inherent, right, psul. Right, Pigol is something, is unquestionably an inherent psul. So, therefore, the idea that Rish Lakish is saying is that, no, I was talking about what, that which they learned in the yeshiva of Rabbi Arahuna, which is that even when there's an inherent psul ta'on Ibert Surah, then you leave it over, overnight. Wow. Okay, so if Yochanan says, okay, well, Eisve, well, we have another Yisrok. that if something, let's say, became totally possible, or you went out and you, and you went out and you took the carbon outside of where you're supposed to have it. So Rabbi Yezer is going to say that Yisrok, what Yisrok? No, not throw out the carbon. It means you can throw the blood. This is a question, right, of, and we're going to see, this has to be a case of Hesachadas, where you have these, like, circumstantial tumah. It's not inherent tumah. And there's a question of whether that invalidates the blood as well. Whenever you bring one of these carbonos, right, you shach the carbon and then you do zrikasadam. You also do the blood sprinkling. The question is, if the, if the carbon itself becomes invalid, does it invalidate the blood sprinkling as well? Like, if you're not going to do the sprinkling of the blood, that means that really, Everything went south, right? Sideways, as, as it were, right? And so you're just like you, you scratch the whole thing. So in this case, Rabbi says, no, you didn't. Don't scratch the whole thing. You can still do the um, right the zrikas adam. Maybe Yeshua Amar lo No, no, you can still do the zrikas adam. It didn't mess up the entire procedure. However, Rabbi Yeshua admits, right? Even though he says that you shouldn't do the zrikas adam, he does admit that if you did do the zrikas adam, that so to speak, it would be okay. You would still get right whatever kapara and benefit you get from zrikas adam. Now the Gemara asks, my nifsal. Well, what in what in what case? What did it mean over here by nifsal? La hadas. It has to be talking about a case of hadas, right? So if so, if you're going to say that it, the soul that we're talking about is tuma, that's why you're going to say that you still the the tzitz is merate when you do the the sprinkling of the blood. So that's why you say that the could still be the eved. You're going to have right the kapar benefit of the blood sprinkling because after all it was only psule tuma right if you're going to say that we treat it not like the psul tuma but you're going to treat it like an inherent psul amai hurts tzitz. So then if it's really an inherent psul if this if this hesach hadas truma, 
That's what it's all going back to here. If the Sesach Hadas Psul Truma is in fact treated like an inherent soul, so then the entire Corbin would get thrown out. You would have no reason to do the sprinkling of the blood, and you would not get any um, benefit from it, even Bidiyavit. The whole thing was puzzle fr- through and through. So, the, so therefore, this seems to be a Raya, that when you have Hesach Hadas, you don't get a real inherent soul, but you seem to get just the surface soul that still enables you to have the Ritzui Bidiyavit. So which Rishwaki says is my Nifsal. What does it mean when it became Nifsal? So Nifsal could mean that it became Tame. In this case, however, Rishwakish has an answer. He says, Nifsal bitvul yom. No, it became Tame through Tvul yom. We already discussed what the Tvul yom was, that it was after, right, you already, after you became Tame, you went into the mikveh, and then you just have to wait for hair of a Shemesh, right? You have to wait for something. And we said that's a form of Tuma, but at that point, the Tzitz could still be Meratze, right? Because it is a lower form of Tuma at that point, and certain things you can do at, at that point. So the Gemara answers, though, but that, if that's the case, then it's identical to the case where the meat becomes Tame, and that would just be a repetitive Brisa. To which Rishwakish price, Trey, Gavne, Tame, no. He's talking about two different types of Tuma. One, right, is a type of Tuma where it becomes, uh, right, where, where it becomes Tame by the meat, and the other one is, becomes Tame from the, uh, from the Tvulyom, and so we're showing that, yeah, indeed, it's the same Malacha for two different types of Tuma. So now we did, we made it. We made it back to the, the topic that, that set us off on this delightful Truma, um, journey that common like so much, and we get back to, Back to our discussion that led to it. How so? As follows. Kisalik Ravin, when Ravin left Bavel to go for his year in Israel, Amr Lishmaiti Kamed Rabbi Yirmiya. He repeated this whole, um, this whole Torah from Rafshashis to Rabbi Yirmiya. Right? This was an unbelievable uh, vart from Rafshashis. Um, so it's funny, right? We said, what did Lenin Rabba? Oh, Rafshashis had this amazing shot. This was not Rabbi Yirmiya's uh, reaction in Israel. Uh, sometimes Israelis could be a little forward. And so Rabirmi's response was, Rabirmi says, Yeah, these dumb Americans, they don't know anything. In this case, he says, Foolish Babylonians. Yeah, because they live in a land of Tumah and darkness and stupidity. They said, Dumb, dark, um, dim witted um, shot. Wow. So at this point, Rabari Leibowitz, the great Tafiomi master, um, says, quote, asked the quote, and he, as, he, as he often does, the Chavis Yair, which says that all of these insults that you see in the Gemara between Tamil Chachamim, he has, lists every single one in Shas and goes through why each one was really an unbelievable compliment. So to you, you might, it might sound like a comp insult, like an insulting compliment, but really, they, if you really understood what they said, then you would see the real compliment embedded within. But when we read it on the surface, it sounds like he's being very dismissive, in fact, of Shas. Okay. Now, have you not heard what we learned? Rishakish learned the name of Oshia, who says, who, right, who, who taught this Mishnah and explains that it deals with the Tamei plants of Shrim, as we said before, as follows. It says, Right, so we know that on Sukkis, right, you have the, the Simchas Beis Shoeva, and that even water, right, is used, right, in, 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 the, in the festival, and that's called Mehachag. But what happens if they become Tamei? So what do you do? So you can actually, if you learn the Kvalos, you can make water Tahar in a Mikvah. You just, you, if you bring it in contact with the Mikvah, and then if you bring it in contact with the Mikvah, and then, right, and then afterwards you makhashit Taharim, those waters become Tahar again. Beautiful. However, if you first made it hekdish and then you brought it to the mikvah to meim, it's still going to be tamei. Mehdi, why? Let's see. Zuria ninhu. Okay, in both cases, the water is going what we'll call zuria, which is like planting, which is just to say that we're putting it in the mikvah, right? So dunking water in the mikvah, right? Obviously, using a kli to dunk the water in the mikvah, that typically makes a tahar. So mali Therefore, why should it matter, right? Whether you do the right, the make it hekdish before or after you put the water in the mikvah. So alma ain zuria Apparently, the, you have to perforce see, learn from the Salacha that, in fact, you're not, you can't, you can't dunk hekdesh in a mikvah. In other words, dunking hekdesh in a mikvah is not effective in removing the tumah from kachim. 
Okay. Because once it's kachim, then it's much more susceptible to tumah, and it's also much more likely to hold on to tumah. Uh-huh. So before it becomes kachim, uh, the tumah isn't stick; it doesn't have that same stick-to-itiveness, and it can be right; it can be removed. But once it's kachim, then it cannot be removed. So hachanami here too. So we're going to apply that concept by the water of, of hektesh to the plants of truma. We said we're going to say here too, ains real truma. Planting the ground, okay, is not going to be effective in removing the tumah from truma entirely because, again, just like we have this uh, this idea by. Uh, hekdish, we have that idea by truma as well. Just like hekdish is more susceptible to tuma, so to truma is more susceptible to, tru- to tuma. And therefore, with regards to both of those things, when you, just like when hekdish is dunked in a mikvah, it does not lose its status, right, of, of tuma, so to truma, when it's planted in the ground, they retain their status of tuma. And that's the reason why the coin can't consume it. And that's why, and, and it's not because of the hesachadas. And so this whole shot of hesachadas, that uh, we were so, Rav Maslam was so proud of, having learned from Rav Sheshes, that shot was trashed when they brought, when they brought it to Eretz Yisrael. And they said, it has nothing to do with Ezechadaz. It has to do with the fact that it's more susceptible to Tumah. Okay, so Yasser Rav Dimi, Rav Dimi, who was in Israel, was sitting. He was talking about this same thing that we were talking about, this uh, Chumrah, with regards to the water. Um, and Amalei Abaye, Abaye said, Wait, Abaye was in Bubbles. Maybe, uh, maybe Rav Dimi, you know Rav Dimi was in Israel and he was in... Um, he was in Babel also. So anyway, Abaye and Abdimi had this conversation. I think it was in Babel. He says, anyway, Hikdishim Bikli Kambar. Did Roshim mean to say that this applies only when he was Makdish, the water? Avabapelo, Avod Rabbanon Ma'ala? But how about if you were Makdish it? So the question is like this. There's two ways to be Makdish the water. You can be Makdish it when it's in a Kli, right? Or you can be Makdish it just by, by, by uh, oral proclamation. So what kind of Hekdesh does it have to be in order to be more susceptible to the Tumah that's, that sticks to it more? So we say that it's only if it's makdashit bekli. Oh, dilma bepen nami avod rabbanon mala. Or maybe you're going to say that even in the case where you're makdashit bepen, it's going to be equally severe. So I'm going to let answer zu lo shmati. On that particular chumrah, I have not heard. I don't know kiyotu beshmati, but I heard something similar that might be applicable as follows. Damer rabbi baram yochanan, and that's where we come back, circling back. Rabbi baram said name rabbi yochanan anavim shenitmu. Right, that our famous grapes from yesterday became tamei drachan v'achakachikdishan taharim. So we say if you first press them and then only afterwards you were makdish that that juice, the juice is tahar. Why? Because we said yesterday, is it considered mifkat pocket or part of the fruit? So we say, no, since we consider it to be in the fruit and not absorbed into it, since we consider it to be mifkat pocket, so then the fruit itself is tahar. So it's not going to be, right, so first you squeezed it out. And since the fruit, the, the fruit itself, right, was not yet mukdash, so then it's going to be, what, tahar. In other words, the liquid's going to be tahar because you weren't makdish the actual grapes yet, and therefore the grapes weren't as susceptible to tumah, and therefore the liquids got out just in time. The liquids got out of these grapes before the grapes had a chance to become tummy, and the liquid's going to be tahar. However, but if you first were makdish the grapes, and only afterwards you squeezed out the juice, then to mayhem, then the juice was going to be tummy. Because again, we have this chumrah with regards to things that are, that, that are hekdesh, that it's more susceptible to the tumah. And so if the grapes have already been makdesh, that means they're more susceptible to tumah. That means that when you squeeze out the liquids, the liquids are going to contract that tumah. Uh, so from that, Rav Dimis concludes, And by the way, that answers your question, because why? Because we know that that case has to be a case where the grapes were makdish by oral designation, right? That somebody was makdish to pet. Why? Because that's the only way that you can actually be makdish grapes. So we know perforce that's how they were makdish. And still, we see the chumrah by these, by these grapes that they're considered, uh, they're dealt with extra stringency that they're metame the liquid. Okay, so that was Redeem's proof, which Yosef is now going to reject. I'm Yosef, another comrade. Wait, you're going you're to say grapes is going to be your proof for kachim? Ah, oh, remember we said before that certain things are more susceptible to tumah, right? So one of them is kachim, but another one is truma. 
this was a case where we already know. That was the case we discussed yesterday. That was the case of Truma. So it was already more susceptible, irrespective of the hectic designation. So how can you use that as an example? We need an example where it was completely not, completely chulin, and then it was Mekudish Repet. Aha, right? So in other words, so, when you have this extra susceptibility of the grapes by virtue of them being truma, so of course in that case, once you're Makadish it, it's going to be as severe as Kedusha's Kli. But when you have these waters where in order to, be, uh, to make a hectish, you need a Kli, but in that case, if you're going to be Makadish Pepet, the Rabbanon are not going to have that level of stringency because again, those waters obviously are not truma, truma doesn't apply to water, and therefore they would need to be Makadish Kli according to Rabbi Yosef in order to have that kind of Tuma. Okay, so I think maybe that would be a good place to stop because I have to go. And so we are nine lines up from the bottom on Lamedalad and Bays. Everybody have a great Shabbos. Incidentally, starting tomorrow, it's going to feel like Maseches Psachim again. We're going to talk to the Mishnah like real Halachalamaisa, like what kind of uh, grains you can use for matzah, you know, like real Pesach stuff. So by the time we see each other again, which uh, looks like I'll be going to visit my first grandchild at some point this week, but so we'll be in touch about that. Thank you. But by the time we see each other again, we'll be in real Pesachim. So everybody, great job. Where's the grandchild? Uh, in New York.